What we're going to be talking about kind of demystifies the process because it always felt like something that was unattainable. Land developing is anything from splitting it. Even just clearing something would be technically land right. development. It doesn't have to mean that you're going to develop it into a huge apartment complex. It doesn't matter the steps you take. Land developing is that. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Right? I mean, it feels like we were just here. We were about a week ago. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like deja vu. Every Monday is our filming day, and then uh, we take some time to get it edited and all that kind of stuff, and then it releases the next week. We always talked about getting ahead, you know, like getting a batch of like four or so of these done, and then just taking some time off, but just hasn't happened. No, I mean, when we, every single time, I like, I'm the one who proposes that, and then you like veto it, but maybe- It was a proposal? Sure, yeah, okay, a formal proposal, but um, it's always because you're worried that like, Everything happens so quick in this world that that we would, you know, I know we should probably still do that anyways in case like we get sick or. Right. You know, never seem to have an, enough extra time to get ahead. No, that's always the issue. But yeah. it is what it is. Isn't that what you say? That's right. Well, today we've got a very interesting topic. And if you are in the land investing space, I think this will be a topic of interest. Uh, we're talking about how to make millions by splitting land. Right. I mean, even if you're not in this space, if you're any sort of real estate investor, you might be interested in development of land. Or I mean, I think that's like kind of one of those things that, I don't know, when we were flipping houses and stuff, people were like, oh, I'm a land, a land developer. You're like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, being a land developer, I mean, I, I had kind of, um, th- there are some different versions of mm-hmm. that. You know, right. we're going to talk about those different versions of it today. There's kind of the long, slow, like home run type version of that. And then there's the quicker, faster cash type way to do it. And that's what we're going to be primarily focused on today. That's the type we like. Uh, Obviously, getting a home run type situation would be pretty good, but it just takes a long time. And it also takes uh, quite a bit of resources to kind of uh, get to that point. And I think that this is what we're going to be talking about today is a good kind of segue if you want to get into maybe the bigger stuff, or maybe you're just going to be like, this is coolest thing ever. And it's something I can do, but it kind of demystifies the process because it always felt like something that was unattainable. Mm, yeah, You know, if you're going to do any sort of land splitting, land deve- I mean, land developing is anything from splitting it, even just clearing something would be technically land right. development. So it doesn't have to mean that you're going to develop it into a I don't know, like a huge apartment complex or, yeah. or it doesn't matter the steps you take. It's land developing is that, but right now we're going to just talk about Splitting. Splitting, yeah. Because that's like a very obtainable, what's the word I'm looking for? Strategy. Yeah. Well, no, but okay. No, I mean, like, it's a very... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Trying to help me fill my words. It is an obtainable strategy, but okay. Right. No, that's not the word I was looking for, though. Okay. It's within reach. Like, you don't have to be, you don't have superpowers. You don't have to have tons of experience Mm, in land. You don't have to have, you know, $10 million. Remember when you used to say, like, a million dollars, and that was like... Yeah. Like, oh, my God. One million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt like, whoa. And Uh now it's like, I mean, that's still obviously a lot of money. I'm not saying that, but it's not, you know, one million today is like Austin Powers. Right. Exactly. So I'm excited because I think this is going to spur a lot of people's kind of like open up a whole new world for them, I think. Well, we've been on this theme lately of Mm -hmm. thinking bigger. And this is a great way to do bigger deals. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, if you can, first of all, let's get into what land splitting is before we get into all the nuance of it. So Basically, the the big concept here is that we're taking a big piece of land, we're cutting it up into smaller pieces of land, and then we are reselling those individual pieces of land separately. Now, the reason we do that is because typically you can buy a bigger piece of land at a lower price per acre. So as an example, you can buy, you know, say in certain parts of the country, you can buy 100 acres for $2,000 an acre. But if you split it up into 10 acre properties, then you might be able to sell it for 4,000 per acre. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might spend 200,000 for that 100 acres and then you can sell each 10 acre parcel for 40,000. That's just a, a basic example, but those are the types of things that we look for. And you think that's just because for an end buyer, capital is harder to come by. So 
Yeah, less. I, I think uh, you know, in some areas, it's uh, there's a big discrepancy between the smaller properties and the larger properties, and I, I'm not sure uh, all of the reasons for that. But in general, there are less buyers for those bigger properties. So there's a lot of people that are looking for a 10 acre property. That seems about the right size. 10 right. acres is a pretty pretty big piece of property mm-hmm. when, when you really get down to it. 100 acres is a, an enormous piece of property. And it's just maybe too much. People don't need that that much property. I mean, they don't maybe like it, but you know, it's not uh, not not something that that as many people are looking for. Because of that, you know, the price per acre, the price has to be a little bit more attractive uh, in order to to hit that balance. It makes sense in the end. It doesn't make sense, but it is. It's just how we see it. You mm-hmm. know, in some areas of the country, though, there isn't as large of a discrepancy. I'm sure. And so that's part of the the whole strategy behind this. We got to find the areas where there is that discrepancy, and uh, where these deals are more possible than others. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised too. Somebody, you'd say, well, why does somebody owns a hundred acres not just split it? But to the average person, that's an insurmountable task. That first of all, they don't want to. Right. They don't care. But it just seems like even if you were to break it down for them, they, no, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I'm not going to do that. First of all, why? You know, why mm-hmm. are we talking about? land splitting as a potential strategy in order to make, make money. money. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, there's money to be had there. Yes. I mean, basically you're creating value. You're buying for a lesser price per acre and then you're selling for a larger price per acre when you s- sell off those individual properties. So it's simply a, a money-making strategy, a way to create value. And uh, in some areas, it's really not that difficult of a process. Right. Which surprises people because if you come from California, it's a totally different story than, you know, Oh yeah, it's a major process. One that might very well not get guaranteed. Like even if everyone agrees to it, the county or the city or whatever, you might have a homeowner that just raises holy heck about it. Yeah. Yeah. The, each area has their different procedures mm-hmm. for this, you know, and specifically in San Diego County, it's really, really tough. Anytime we're splitting land or anything like that, it's Mm -hmm. a very tough process and really not as viable around here. I mean, if you're willing to wait around and Mm -hmm. invest a lot of money in engineers and 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 pulling your hair out. yes, Right, right. But that's just not like our mode is like a lot quicker of a process and a lot less resistance. But there's some places in the country where it's not like that at all. It's kind of like that you do these things and it's done. Yep. And literally it's that easy. Yeah. So in general, there's two different categories. So for when we're talking about subdividing or splitting property. Mm-hmm. So they in, in a lot of areas, they call these a minor subdivision and a major subdivision. A minor subdivision would be something that's a simple process, generally. And then a major subdivision is typically a subdivision where you're creating like a like a housing, you know, development mm-hmm. or something like that. It's it's splitting it up to much smaller parcels, ensuring that there's infrastructure. There's a lot of layers of approvals that go into it. Engineers, all kinds of stuff that, that happens through that process. Now, you can make big money doing those types of developments, you mm-hmm. know, getting a big piece of land hiring someone to subdivide it into 100 different parcels, selling it to a home developer. I mean, that's a great strategy as well, but it's a different strategy. That's a more of a long-term strategy. It takes time mm-hmm. so and, I, and a lot of resources. Right. And the other thing that I always like to mention is a lot of times people think a minor versus a major is the lot size, like the amount of lots you're splitting it into. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily always correlate between... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times the the in some areas and what we look for is that they've got a set criteria that, hey, over 10 acres, you can split as split it as many times as you want. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple process. And we're going to go into that a little bit. But in a major subdivision, typically in most areas, there's lots of different things that are involved with that. You know, maybe the exit value, the value that you're creating is, is a lot higher but mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that go with that as well. A lot of environmental concerns or... or um, Drainage. You've right. got infrastructure to worry about. Sometimes you know. there's even schools. You, have to, you would have to agree to put in schools, different <laughs> types of roads. I mean... If, yeah, it can get know. crazy. It can get crazy. So, you know, in some areas, those even the major subdivisions are, are easier than, in some areas than other areas. So that's something to keep in mind. But what we look for is these minor subdivisions. Mm-hmm. So a situation where we can buy a larger property, we can split it up into smaller properties, create that value, mm-hmm. and do it quickly. Right. So the speed is very important to us. We're not, you know, with our business model, we're not looking to sit on these properties for years. Now, we do have a couple of longer-term projects in the works, but that's the 
exception rather than the rule for us. Right. And whenever we do something like that, we we tell ourselves, okay, we're starting a new business. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> each of those is kind of a new business because they're not really part of this business. If you're doing anything outside of what you normally do to make income, you just need to ask yourself, do I want to start a new business? And it makes sense. And sometimes like we, you know, section those off and working through them and and going from there. Yeah, like a longer term project, you know, mm-hmm. but but we've got a number of different things in the works and we've done a, a number of different projects where we're these minor subdivisions. So mm-hmm. and we're going to kind of go over why we're, we're focused on this minor subdivision process and how a lot of them work. Mm-hmm. So first of all, uh, they're quick. Uh, they're inexpensive and there are less unknowns with the process. You know, pretty much in, in many of these areas, they lay it out for you. You know, they, they pretty much give you the right, like, hey, if you, you can split your property, mm-hmm. you have the right to split your property as long as you have it over 10 acres or five acre, mm-hmm. acres, depending on what that area is. And the process is you get a surveyor, the surveyor goes out there, splits it up flags it on on the property itself. There may be a couple of other requirements. They submit it with the county and then you can resell off those individual parcels. So that's a that's the types of things that we're looking for. I was itching my own oh, nose. Oh, I thought you said there was something <laughs> on my nose or something. That's that was good. so funny. I was like, no, literally you my did nose. It twice. Just... I was like, okay, there must be something on my nose. <laughs> that was funny. You know what it reminds me of though when you're talking about this, why it's so important to have to be doing these where there's established rules. There was a lot of people, you know, with the um vacation rentals. Mm. And you know how they're uh, at first people were like, oh, it's great to invest where there's no rules because you can do anything. And then people are saying, no, go invest where there already are rules. Because if there's rules established, you follow the rules. I bought it during the rules when they were here. Even if they change the rules, there's a, you know, a good chance you can get grandfathered in. But if you know the rules, then you know how to play the game. Right. Now there's some that we found that say no rules and the no rules are the rules. Uh, okay. Yes. You know I have, there's been areas where mm-hmm. it's like, oh no, you, yeah, you can pretty much do anything with this piece of land. I'm like, okay, but what's that mean? Like, no, literally you it's do anything. zoned that it's for anything. Yeah. You could do a junkyard if you want. Yes. I mean, yeah, let's go there. But, <laughs> but, but I, and some areas are like that. You could put a junkyard next to someone's house and there's nothing really they can do about it. And that really sucks. Yeah. But, that um, does suck. Yeah. But I think it's funny because it, maybe you're looking at this and you're it's kind of like that once you get into the mindset of, okay, if I'm looking at, at places that have these defined rules, this is going to make it so much easier for me yeah. because I know exactly what they're going to want. Yep. So what you're looking for is the areas that have the easy rules set up. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are areas where lot splits are a really viable option, you know, that uh, that you can then use over and over again. You, you know, there's a lot of areas that are like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding those areas getting comfortable with them, really understanding what the values are, how quick you can sell these properties. A mm-hmm. lot of different things go in it. But once you sort of find those areas, then you can build on that, find new, keep finding new areas, keep looking for more deals and, and keep it going. The main thing in a lot of these areas is simply bringing in a surveyor into the mix. Right. So the surveyors also are a wealth of knowledge. So you can find out these areas by, you know, a number of different ways, like going on the, on the county websites, calling up the local surveyors, you know, getting getting the information that you need to make that happen. But a lot of times you're going to have to, in, in most all cases, you're going to have to use the services of a surveyor in order to get that lot split done. Right. Um, surveyors and engineers and soil scientists, which they don't, do they call them soil scientists out here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I always thought of it as something else here, but um, those are kind of like your um, your key people in a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have good ones that you could call up and they'd tell you right off the bat, like that county sucks mm-hmm. or, <laughs> you know, or um, that would be impossible. Like nothing, nothing perks there or um, yeah, yeah, you could do this, but X, Y, Z or like, yeah, totally. I've been doing a bunch of those and people are just, it's a hot area. Those are the things, the feedback you want, even without them even going out, a, a good one's going to kind of have a, you know, a feel to it already. And then they'll say, yeah, I, yeah, I can do this or I can't do that. And pricing. Do we talk about that at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk about that. Okay, let's so, keep going. Well, so I've kind of laid it out here in a six. How many steps do I have? I don't know. I didn't even look at your cheat sheet. Six case. step process. Oh, okay, so I'm going to go over the six steps in order to find lot properties to lot split and how to get them done. Okay, go for it. So let's go it. Step one. First of all, you need to find areas where this is an easy process. Now, we talked about this a little bit, but you can research your state, uh, research the individual counties. A lot of times um, in some of these areas, they have statewide mandates saying, hey, if you've got over, you know, if you're splitting over 10 acres per parcel, you've got the right in order to do this. Then a lot of times counties will have their individual 
criteria for these things as well. The good place to check on these is their websites. These are all posted online. I mean, most most counties have a website. There are some, I believe, that do not have a website. I don't even want to get into some this, of these. But maybe are... you go down to the county office and you ask them there. That sounds like fun. Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. But, but in those cases, you could probably do whatever you want because they don't have enough staff to tell you anything. Anyhow. That is not legal advice. Don't no, do what no, he no. just said. He's, jo- he's joking. Okay, totally I'm joking. joking. Yeah. And uh, so these requirements are definitely going to be posted on their websites. And then also call the surveyors. You know, you got you to gotta find good surveyors that are available. In some areas, they've got very easy rules for this types of thing, types of things, but finding a surveyor is nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. And find, sometimes finding surveyors that are reasonable are nearly impossible as well. There's not enough of them. So, I mean, it makes sense, supply and demand. They're what might have cost X, Y, Z. They're like in one area, but they specialize in another area and they, there's no one else. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that is a big consideration. Before you lock it down, even if it looks easy, you have to figure out that surveyor because you could blow all your profit. If they're going to be, you know, either 10 months out before they can look at it or if they're, you know, way too much money. Yeah. So that that is a big piece of the puzzle. And, you know, in doing this and when you find areas where this works, building a team, getting a surveyor that that you can count on for these types of things make it makes it infinitely easier. And a lot of times when you're doing your first deal in a particular area, it can seem daunting. difficult. Yeah. Daunting. Yeah, daunting. Mm-hmm. Daunting because... You might have to call 10 surveyors in order to find one that's good, that works for your situation, that's available and that's reasonably priced. And you know. and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. something I've been struggling with this year is being okay with like, you know, oh, they're good enough or whatever. No, it's not. Maybe you have to go through 10 and maybe your instinct is like, uh, maybe it's me, you know, if I have to go through 10 of them. But isn't it worth it to find that really good one? When you, when you get a great team member, it makes all the difference, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when I say team members, you know, I, I consider, you know, the surveyors that we work with and mm-hmm. everything, they're, they're part of the team to make this um, goal happen that we've got. So. Right. hundred percent. And, and it's mutually um, beneficial because our success is theirs and theirs is ours. And, right. and we try to be not a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. We, we try to do everything we can to <laughs> be a goal. good customer. Yeah. So, so they want to work with us. And and we'll answer our call the next time that we have a, a property in their area. <laughs> That's always a benefit. Yeah, yeah. So so we really do. It's a two way street. It really mm-hmm. is, especially in areas where there's a demand for them. You know, where they're busy and everything like that, they can easily choose not to work with you again and work with someone else instead. Hundred so, percent. Yeah. Yep. So okay. So step one obviously is that research, finding those areas where it's a it's a viable. You know, it's a viable strategy. Uh, step two, identify areas where there is a large discrepancy in price mm-hmm. between large parcels and smaller parcels. And this is interesting in and of itself because we talk about it, you have to get creative to find your deals, but these you don't have to get as creative. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to do that legwork, they're out there. Yeah. The first thing I would do in order to do this um, is that to start looking on Zillow, you know, see what the sales are, take the larger parcels, see what they're selling at price per acre, take the smaller parcels, see what they're selling at price per acre, and just try to kind of map out that discrepancy. Now, if you're seeing these properties like that, that are just selling off the MLS where there's that big spread, Mm -hmm. and you know it's an easy area to lot split, then... In theory, you can get deals locked up just by buying them on the market. You know, when during the height of the um, mortgage crisis or whatever, we were able to find like all of the deals that we found for the investors that you worked with were from the MLS. Yeah. You know, and people are shocked by that. Well, where are you finding these deals for your investors? Um, It's called like realtor.com or, you know, the MLS. Like (laughs) there's no secret here. Like, and a lot of people forget that, especially the ones that have been listed forever or that are no longer, like there's ways to to get creative on that side. But that's, I mean, if there's that kind of spread, go for it. And again, you probably ask wondering, well, if if they could do that, why wouldn't the, the owners do that? They don't want to. It's pain, you know, just selling a property is uh is kind of daunting for a lot of sellers. Mm-hmm. It's it's a you know it's a tedious process, and 
especially if you multiply that by five or 10, you know, think about that. Right. Like as, a, as an investor or whatever, you're fine with the transactions and that's just mm-hmm. part of the business. But but a regular seller, do you think they want to, first of all, invest in a surveyor, mm-hmm. outlay this type of money, which they may not have. Right. And then they're going to have to sit through the process of finding 10 different buyers for these properties and 10 different transactions and, you know, get their money kind of all spaced out and everything. And a lot of sellers are just not interested in that, even if they can make more. It's just not, you know, mm-hmm. just not something they want to do. Yeah, I'm so. glad you mentioned that because that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's enough for them to even do the one time. And then sometimes they'll let it expire just because, oh, well, it didn't sell. I don't care. Right. I don't want to deal with it. And so then you tell them, but if you invest, you know, X amount of dollars, then we could split it into 10 properties. Then you could sell all 10 of them. They're like, yeah, no, like I am not. No, no. Yeah. They don't want to do that. No. I wonder who's more hated, real estate agents or dentists? <laughs> well, dentists are fine out in the real world if you meet a dentist. I like dentists. I don't right. mind dentists. If you right. find a nice dentist, I don't mind it. But I, I saw this one like um, meme thing that was like psyching myself up to go to work today because everyone says, it's not personal, but I hate you. And I'm a dentist. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing with a real estate agent. You yeah. know, it's you find a good one. Like, I don't think real estate agents are bad at all, but there's that, you know, preconceived notion. So you say, do you want to do 10 transactions with the real estate agent? Like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Real estate agents don't have the best reputation sometimes. Misunderstood. Uh, yeah, misunderstood. And I could say that because I'm a real estate broker myself. Mm-hmm. I'm so. not anymore, so I could bag on you. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's okay. Well, <laughs> this is awkward silence. It is. What I it like is. real estate agents. I work with real estate agents all day long. You know, it's like in anything though. The bad ones get um, are talked about. The good ones you don't hear about because they're just too busy doing their job. That's right. They're doing deals. But if there's a bad one, you hear about it, and <laughs> everyone at a party will tell you everything about this one. And you know what? It also it normally comes down to is communication. Yep, that's yep. what it that's is. True. For that's the true. most part, I mean, we've had some issues where real estate communication over promising things like that. Yeah, ghosting or just you mm-hmm. know, yeah, or not being considerate of your time or whatever. But I bet there's a crossover in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you gotta, you're supposed to be the one. Okay, me off I'm moving these this tangents. along. Okay, yeah. so we've got step one find an area where it's an easy mm-hmm. process. Step two identify areas where there's a large discrepancy in the pricing mm-hmm. between the smaller and the larger parcels. Okay, step three drum up some deals. I didn't even read this and I, I'm naturally going with the flow of your thing here. Yes. Okay, so yeah, we talked about that. It could be direct mail, you have SMS marketing, MLS listings, et cetera. What other? Well, I mean, you know, it's got to be something where you can target the properties mm-hmm. in some way. So direct mail is great because you can target the larger parcels, mm-hmm. send out a letter to them and tell them, hey, I want to buy your property. You know, same thing with, with SMS marketing. You can target those property owners. MLS listings are great because, you know, for something like this, because those are people that actually already want to sell. Right. I mean, like those, they're motivated to sell. They've mm-hmm. got their property on the market. Now, their price might be way out of line for what you need it to be. But if the property's been on the market for a while, or if they're priced right from the beginning, you know, who's to say you couldn't put a deal together uh, directly on the market? You'd these, be surprised. These are ripe for those types of things. Yeah. You'd be surprised what people are like when they come to their breaking point where they're just done, mm-hmm. what they'll they'll sell for. Mm-hmm. People are always shocked, but like, how did you get that? I asked. Yeah. You know? I, I submitted an offer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and maybe 95% will say absolutely no, and you'll get 5%. And then you'd be surprised though, in, in a month or two months or whatever, they might come around and you get, you know, even more. I was just thinking some other ways. Um, it would be interesting to do, there are still some local little newspapers or local advertising things where people might see it. You could say, hey, do you have a, do you have more than hundred acres or, you know, might be interested in selling, reach out. You could do um, social media where you could target geographically. Although a lot of owners don't live in the geographical area where Mm. they own it because it could be inherited. But one thing about the MLS listings that I want to say is that I know as as real estate investors, we're always looking for off-market deals. Mm -hmm. Off-market deals. It's all about off-market deals. And they're great. And that's how we generate almost all of our business is is off-market deals. But I think if you were going to focus on this, and I am going to put together a training on this, I've been thinking about this a lot, it, there are um, great opportunities on the MLS now, and you have to have a system in place in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, Say, for instance, we send out a lot of offers each month, direct mail. We mm-hmm. send out 50,000 plus each month. So that's a lot. Can you imagine if you actually submitted 50,000 offers to properties that were listed? 
I oh mean, yeah, yeah. You I might mean, get one out of ten. That's a pretty good rate. We don't right. get one out of ten no. uh, deals from those letters that we send out because we're sending to people who who aren't even interested in selling. Yeah, many we're have like, no motivation. No, so. they haven't considered. It's not that they don't want to; they just haven't considered it. Mm-hmm. And with ask, they okay, sure. I think that's a really smart thing, and a lot of people overlook it because they all think that there's value in. Oh, it has to be off market because mm-hmm. if it's on market, which is not the case at all. But also, I'm a little sad to hear that you're going to do a new training program because that means I lose my husband for. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, this won't be as, as extensive. It actually, it actually is. Um, it actually is a, a thing where it's like straightforward. It's a pretty pretty easy system that you can put in place. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, it's not going to work for a lot of types of properties, or it won't be as effective for a lot of types of properties. But for these lot split type properties, the larger parcels. I know it'll be effective. So, and by losing my husband, I mean like for a couple weekends, not in general. Like I don't right. feel like I'm going right. to lose you forever. I hope for doing this training program. Yeah. So there is a lot of opportunity with finding deals on the market, and I'm going to show you how to do it. So stay tuned. Follow along. If you if you don't subscribe to this podcast, this would be a good chance to do that because then you'll see when I'll announce it when uh, as I'm getting close on it. So okay, if this is of interest to you, first of all, before we get into step number four. Um, I do want to say that uh, I do want to mention that we've got our Land Conquest community. If you are not a member of our Land Conquest community, I mean, you're missing out on all kinds of stuff, right? (laughs) I just like making you feel awkward. Yeah. I mean, normally I'm the one who brings it up and you always forget because um, you're there so much that you don't even think that other people aren't there too. Right. But um, yeah, it's it's a wealth of information. It has a course that's Free for right now or at no cost, but that is probably going to be changing, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a good chance it could be changing, but it's entirely free right now. Mm-hmm. So hurry over there right, and, get and that. check it out. It's an extensive training program mm-hmm. that shows you how to flip land, A to Z, everything you're going to need to know. Probably cost you thousands of dollars elsewhere, but uh, for the moment at least, it is mm-hmm. entirely free to all members of the community. We should have been saying that from the beginning, that for right now, because I worry that someone's going to listen to our old ones and mm, like they're going to say yeah. it's not free anymore. Right. But anyways, for right this second is. So head over there. Where where do you find? Or just go to landconquest.com. And it's a community. There's a tab for community. There's a tab for the course. There's tabs for other things too. Yeah, we, we do regular Zoom calls as well, where we show mm-hmm. you how uh, I show you how I analyze deals, mm-hmm. student deals, students submit their deals. And I show you how I analyze them and how you can do it yourself. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24 seven live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. So what is number five? Well, shouldn't we do number four first? I think we did, didn't we? No. Step number four is get under contract. Oh, I'm sorry. The the numbering is messed up. It's your fault. Okay. Step step number three was drum up some deals. Mm -hmm. The next thing you got to do is to get them under contract. So obviously, if you don't have them under contract, you can't actually move forward towards closing. So uh, if they're on on the MLS, uh, obviously, you'd submit an offer, legitimate offer, you know. Legitimate, yes. yes. No, I mean like an official offer. Not just call those agents and say, I'm going to give you 100000 for this property. Because for it to be real, when it's listed, it has to be an offer in writing. We've done that mistake because back in the day, it was kind of like you would run it by the agent and they would, you kind of almost hash it out a little and then you put it in writing. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how it's done anymore. And that's backfired on us. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, we've, we've lost out on a couple of deals because mm-hmm. we've tried to negotiate some things that way. And then another buyer snoops, uh, um, swoops in mm-hmm. and uh, submits a written offer. And that mm-hmm. just seems more serious. So, so uh, do it in writing is what we're it, saying. Do it yeah, in make writing. Make it official. Yes. And obviously it should be legitimate too. Yeah, it should be legitimate. <laughs> that's funny. Yes. In those cases, make sure you, if you were going to use a deal partner to have an assignment 
clause in there. Like right. you can assign the deal if you want to. Also, and then you close on the property and then resell it as soon as possible. Oh, I did skip number five. I'm sorry. Did you? Yes. Uh, step number five, uh, while you are under contract, contact the surveyor or needed professionals to show them the project and get bids for it. Right. That's where you want to make sure that it can be done. Right. And and at general cost of what it'll take, worst case, best case, all that kind of stuff, just so you make sure that it is a deal. Don't yeah. force a deal. That's We need to have that somewhere like pinned in like neon writing or something that says don't force, don't force a, deal. a deal. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's true, though. And anytime I've forced a deal, I've regretted it. And you know? I never let you forget it. Okay. Yeah. yeah she, Heather always holds it over my head. But the other the good part about this is if you start contacting surveyors right away or anyone else you need to make this process happen, then you get kind of on their schedule, you know, sooner yeah. rather than later. So hopefully if it all works mm -hmm. out perfectly, they're ready to go as soon as you close on the on the purchase. And sometimes you can even get them started before you close on the purchase mm -hmm. if you're comfortable with the title being good and all that kind of stuff. So just know that if you are going to be spending money before it closes, there's always a risk that something could happen with the transaction where it's not closable. Mm -hmm. You know, typically that would be a title type issue. You know, the title report comes back and there's 50 different heirs that own this property and they're not on board to sell. Right. So... You know, you just have to watch out for things like that. Anytime you're spending money before you close, just know that there's risk. That, that could be, yeah, there's a risk. It could be, it could be gone. So, <laughs> um, you know, obviously you don't want that to happen, but it happens sometimes. And, you know, and we don't talk about that enough too. Sometimes that happens and you have said, well, you feel pretty confident. So you started the process because maybe there's a long wait. There's only one surveyor that's good. I don't know, whatever the thing is. And you think, well, shit, I'll just make it work. Like, I don't know, we'll figure out something. We'll I don't know. You, you find some sort of solution that's not really the best one. That kind of goes down to the don't force a deal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's worth it to pay money and lose it than to still go through with a deal that, you know, you could lose a lot more money. So it's better to lose $1,000 than lose $100,000. Mm, true. And it's just the cost of doing business, unfortunately. Sometimes yeah. it's just inevitable. So sometimes you think everything's great. And at the last minute, something comes up and you're like, well, I already spent... You know, that's part of what we do. We spend a lot of money on due diligence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those properties don't go through because of something we discovered with that due diligence, you know, mm -hmm. as we're purchasing these properties. So it's unfortunate. I would love to not have to spend those things, but mm -hmm. it's the insurance policy. You know, it's the it's the assurance that you're actually getting what you think you're getting. Right. You know. It goes along the same lines as, this, as a lot of people will do. Well, I'm not going to do it through a title or I won't use escrow company or I won't get title insurance or any of these things. And it's kind of like, yeah, you could maybe maximize your profits, but at what cost? Right. And at the end of the day, did you really maximize your profits? And your risk level is going up. Yeah. And then it's kind of more like gambling. Yeah. I mean, that's really what that is. It, it goes along the lines of we order um, pictures almost right away. Right. Right. And so we might lose a couple hundred dollars or a few hundred dollars if it turns out that something in those pictures makes it, you find a, a big pile of, I don't know, what Big would, pile of what, Heather? I don't know, something that's <laughs> obviously like, no, nope, this is not, we're not doing this or whatever. And you don't look at it and say, darn it, I, lo I, I wasted that money. You say, yes, that money saved me from a disaster. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that true professionals in this business um, have a defined due diligence process. And I would say we're true professionals at this point. I hope so. We're I always am. striving to be better, I guess. We're always striving to be true professionals. So right. before I close things out, we've mm -hmm. got those six steps that we went over. I also want to, step six is close on the property and then resell it as soon as possible. I'm not sure if you list really it, did, but that's- uh, Listen with a real estate agent, uh -huh. someone that knows what they're doing, someone that's got a great track record, get it sold. So, mm -hmm. so there's a lot that goes into that, but we'll just keep it at the surface level right, right and now. Get, and I guess as part of a step five, you said contact the survey or whatever. Mm -hmm. I know, and you also do whatever they need to like complete that process of yes. getting it. Split. Oh yes, yes. Okay, that's an important step to add to <laughs> yes. five. So you, you contact have to sign them. a contract with them generally. And yeah, have them do the work, yeah. and then they do the work, and then it's officially recorded with the county or whatever you need to do, and you have all these the new maps drawn, and then you list it with an agent as now. Let's say that hundred acre one, 10, 10 acres that what you bought it as a hundred acres and then you sell them. Yep. Sell them off. And you know, what we found a lot of times is like the first one or two, whatever pays for the purchase. The next yeah. one pays for the money that you needed to put into it. And then the next ones are all gravy. Yeah. Those are where you make the money. Yeah. So like, you know, in theory, you know, in a lot of these cases, we're always trying to double our money. That's mm -hmm. kind of our benchmark that we're looking for. So, you know, selling half the parcels will hopefully pay for all of them. 
So right, and then the rest right. of it's the profit. Right. But sometimes you get a better deal than that. Sometimes you're buying for 30 cents on the dollar when it, when mm-hmm. you're looking at the exit prices on these. So that's really fun once you sell off those couple, those few two, three properties in order to pay for the everything. And then the rest is profit coming in. So that's when it gets fun. But I also wanted to mention some tips about this, some things that didn't really fit into what we were talking about already. In order to find good properties, good candidates for these lot splits, one of the big things that's important is to look for properties with road frontage. And what that means is, say it's a, a rectangle property. And, uh, you know, I'm showing up my uh, piece of paper as a demonstration. Yeah, he's got uh, it kind of, you know, lengthwise. <laughs> yes. So you've got a road that goes along the front here. He's that would be the road front. Pointing to the top of it. So yes. that would be the road uh, frontage and the paper at the bottom is the property. So okay. a property like this would be ideal to split because then you could split it into rectangles in this manner. He's doing um, rectangles up and down. We're on a podcast. Yes, I know. Well, some people are watching on video. And if you're not watching it on video, I, I highly suggest it on YouTube. So anyhow, the more road frontage you have, the mm-hmm. easier it is to generally make these lot splits Why? work. Well, because then you don't have to actually put into roads into your, your lot splits minor subdivision. Heather's nodding along with Pete. We've yeah. done that before. We had kind of one that was the opposite, small amount of road frontage, and kind of like a long, narrow rectangle. And then we had to split it up in a different way. But we had to put in a road that was like a half mile long. And I was like, okay, it's a gravel road. How much does that cost? A well, lot. It costs a lot of money. <laughs> and it ate up most of our, not most of it, it ate up a lot of our profits. Yeah. And uh, I probably could have sold it for just as much without splitting it up as I, as After, I, at the yeah. end of the day. So it was just a lot of uh, exercise and exercise and futility, I guess you could say. Right. Because it's not so much just about, you know, like it's not even just carving that. We had to actually put gravel. Yes. And half a mile of gravel is a lot of money. And it's not just a thin layer of gravel. A lot of these areas will have requirements like it's got to be four four or six inches of gravel, you know, half a mile long, you know, by 16 feet wide. I mean, that's a lot of gravel. Right. And then you also have, um, you consider like sometimes a year you can't really do it. Yes. The grading. And Uh then sometimes you're going over a stream or something like that. So it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. So trust me when I say in order to do these lot splits, it, it normally always works better uh, when you've got more road frontage um, than less for sure. Right. So, so those are the good ones. So they can have access directly to their property from that main frontage. Right. That's the whole thing. Okay. Right. What other tips do you have for us? Oh, I turned my paper upside down. So I don't even... Uh, Your paper see. was turned yes. into property. Okay. Also, uh, utility availability. Mm-hmm. Sometimes oh, yeah. this is big in certain areas. So, certain areas may have requirements like uh, there needs to be water availability or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in areas where that's a concern, if there's access to public water or public water meters, that's that's a big deal. Also, it could be a big deal if there's access to the sewer or something like that as well. You know, if you have bad soils or something like that. So each area is a little different. So just, uh, you know, note the utilities, um, you know, while you're kind of doing your research in these properties. So the other thing that's kind of big to understand is the demand for parcels. So you don't want to just split a property up just because you can do it. You want to see that there's demand for buyers and things selling in that, you know, property size range. So if there isn't, then you're going to be wasting your time because maybe you're going to have a harder time smell- selling, not smelling, selling <laughs> those smaller parcels. And it's just going to be uh, five times the amount of work. So. I thought of something else with that um, that road. Didn't we have to do some sort of la- road maintenance agreement for them all too? Yeah. Did we have yeah. to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you have an additional legal kind of thing because you've created an access that they all have to share. And some people would be turned off by having to share road yeah, and maintenance it's, with other it's people. a whole can of worms. I mean, it's definitely possible, and there's definitely money to be made in situations where you're putting in work. roads, but yeah. it's a lot more challenging, and mm-hmm. it's harder to make the numbers work. Right, and it, and it's just about streamlining it. If you're doing this all yourself, there's only so much time in the day, so where should you put your efforts? Towards something that's going to take a lot of time for X amount of dollars, or you could make X amount of dollars and have more time yep. to do other things, you know? And here's a tip as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of taking into consideration on the the resale side of things. Now, if you're going to take 100 acres and you're going to divide it up into 10 10 10-acre parcels, then basically you're going to be competing against yourself. You've got an inventory of 10 parcels that you are putting onto the market Mm -hmm. and you're selling them all right away. But what if you split it up in a more creative way and you've got a couple larger parcels in there, you've got some 10-acre parcels, 15 acres, you know, and you kind of split it up in that way to give some variety to your product that, that you're reselling. Now, right. in some areas, there might be just incredible demand, and it's not going to be a problem selling 10-acre 
all 10 acre parcels, but in other areas, maybe getting a little creative and really crunching the numbers, seeing how that would work out might make sense. Do we so. ever roll them out as opposed to listing them all at the same time? I haven't, but you know, that's a definitely a viable strategy for sure. Mm-hmm. So well, it just depends on the area. And, you know, sometimes, um, I've noticed that when you put them all out in the market, the the a couple of them go really quick. Like people are looking for those and they want to snap up the premium ones, right. what they view as the premium ones. So mm-hmm. and sometimes what they view of the premium as the premium one is not what I would have thought the premium mm-hmm. one was. But you that's know. another thing to to remember is that you aren't the buyer necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's okay. You know, like that is a okay. I don't hunt. Yes. But I don't. recognize that there's some properties, maybe that's the desired person that would be buying it. You know what I mean? Like, so the things that we do, we need to stay open to it. And that's also why you have, you know, your local agents that advise you on stuff. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add, like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, we split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. The other thing you want to look for is anything else you can do to make them turnkey. Things like brush clearing, perk test, mm-hmm. things like that. Some areas, some wire fencing or something like that maybe is uh, kind of the standard. But in any area, in, in any of these areas that you're dealing with, you kind of look at uh, how, how can you maximize the value? And if you've realized that if you do put in $2,000 in brush clearing mm-hmm. in each of these lots and you can get out $10,000 in value then it probably makes sense to do that. And you'll probably sell it quicker. Right. You know, we learned that the hard way with when we're doing house stuff. People, like we were just doing regular real estate sales. People would walk in like, this house is absolutely perfect, except for the color of this room. And I won't buy it because of the color of this room. And we're like, it's like $200 to paint this room. It's the same kind of thing. You think, oh, people can see past that. People, we don't need to do that. They'll, they can, you know, we don't need to clear this. They can get there. They can see it. No, they can't. Yeah. As much as you can possibly do that's a reasonable cost that'll have a good return, you should do it. Okay, so here's the biggest tip of them all. And okay. I saved this one for last. As you get these deals locked up, the next thing you do is you submit it to partnerwithpete.com. I was like waiting for this like faded <laughs> breath. I'm like, what is it? Yes. What is it? Okay, yes. Partnerwithpete.com yes. is our deal funding program. And we love lot splits. Meaning if you get a deal locked up and uh, it's a double, mm-hmm. meaning we always look for a double, like say that, you are under contract for 100,000 and you anticipate it would sell for reasonable projection, you project that it's gonna be $200,000 on the exit side, then uh, we are definitely interested in those types of deals. Now it has to be reasonable and your numbers have to make sense and all that kind of stuff. But we love lots of deals and what's cool about it is that as soon as you get the deal under contract, Myself and my team will take the process and run with it. We'll find the surveyor. We'll pay for the surveyor. We'll pay for perk tests or anything else that we need, brush clearing, whatever whatever it takes to make that project viable. And then at the end of the day, when we resell these properties, we split the profits 50-50. You said resale them? Or do you mean resell? Resell. Did I say resale? Uh-huh. Uh, when we resell these properties. I thought there was some sort of like, maybe I've been saying No, no. When we resell these properties. A resale. I guess we it also would still be. We, it would be a resale. Yeah, it's, it's a resale, but like the verb is resale. I so maybe that. I said it wrong. So anyhow, go to partnerwithpete.com, drum up some deals. We can each make some some really big paydays from this. We've had some really cool um, success stories with that. Yeah. Um, can they hear some of those? Where where would they find them? Uh, on our YouTube channel. So that would be at Turning Profit. So just go on YouTube, search at Turning Profit, and then you will find our YouTube channel. And we've recorded a bunch of um, cool Partner with Pete success stories, and they are going to be dripped out every Thursday now. So podcast is being released Tuesday, Thursday, student success stories.
Awesome. I like those because it gives you um, a lot of people encouragement to see what they can do, what's possible and hear from the other side, not just us. That's right. Speaking of people who talk a lot, we do because I was just this whole time flipping through um, our Slack channel trying to find these questions. Mm. That's what I was doing. So let's uh, finish this up. Anything else you wanted to add on that before no, I jump no, in? No, that's a bit. That, that's, that's about it. Just start building kind of a database where you find these good areas and then just keep trying to find deals in those areas. Put a system in place. Right. Once you identify something that works, yep. repeat it yep, that's while right. you're still looking for new areas because right. you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. No. OK, so um, at the end of uh, all of our podcasts, we answer some questions from the community. Mm, yes, the land conquest community. Right. So if anyone wants to have theirs on there, we pick them at random, kind of. Uh, they're random to me. Pete picks them. So yeah, yeah. Random. Random. <laughs> so where do they you just post a, a question in there and we might choose it to talk yes. about on? Yes. And, it, and if we don't answer it on the podcast, um, the community will answer it, I'm sure, as well. So. Right. Okay. This question is from Matt. Mailing within city limits. Hey, everyone. I'm having trouble finding information on whether it is advisable or not to send mailers on properties that within city limits per land idea overlay. Would anyone recommend trying to exclude areas within city limits from the mailers? These aren't major cities, but are smaller towns, areas that are still seeing classified as within city limits when I apply the land ID overlay. I believe I have heard that there can be an additional challenge associated with land in city limits, but I don't know if this is an overgeneralization that I actually need to be considering or not. Greatly appreciate any input. I wouldn't take that in consideration at all. We should be doing, do you remember yeah. the whole dating, the one where they like ask, you have to ask questions, you both hold up your answer oh, okay. to see if it matches. Yes. But I was thinking the, the exact game. same thing. Okay. Is that what it was? I think dating so. game? I don't know. I think it was even a little before our time maybe, but, but anyways, I agree with you. Go on. The city limits, I, we bought and sold a lot of properties within mm -hmm. small towns and everything a like that. A deal's a deal. It, it is, yeah. And, you, you know, when this lead comes in and everything like that, you're going to evaluate it. You're going to see what it's worth based off of whatever criteria it has mm -hmm. and characteristics it has and and go from there. But, I, you know, it hasn't stopped me from doing deals. It hasn't stopped me from buying and selling properties and making money. So. Right. It's an interesting question. I'm glad mm -hmm. they asked. Maybe they're worried that there's more regulation or more mm -hmm. rules. Yeah, yeah, there are more rules and regulations, but, but it, it, it affects the value of the properties sometimes. But you just take that in consideration when you're, you know, when you're evaluating it. It's kind of like the same thing with an HOA, but not as much. HOA mm -hmm. is worse. But sometimes it, the city thing actually is a good thing. We've tried to annex before because it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. you yep. have, there's better resources. Okay. Dylan says wetland issue. Hi, all. Under contract to buy 10.5 acres of land in Saratoga County, New York. The site is adjacent to a creek. A majority of the property is wetlands. However, I'm getting a really good price. And it looks like there is one to two acres of dry area. Should I be looking for a soil scientist or a wetland delineation person to confirm that I can build on the property? Does anyone have someone in New York that I can use? Yeah. Okay. So uh, wetlands, you know, we buy a lot of properties that have a portion of the property as wetlands. It's pretty common, you know, especially these larger acre parcels. And, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't buy properties that are 100% wetlands, but- We definitely the, would not buy a property that's 100% wetlands. Well, wetland. I think we have before and we've made money on it, but- <laughs> okay. You know, but you just have to be buying it for ultra cheap right. and know what you're buying. But in, in a case like this, you know, if there is a couple of dry acres, you know, you would just have to evaluate it accordingly. You know, If like, your plan was to sell to someone who wanted to build. Right. Because that was the reason you bought before. Or did you build on the one that was? No, no, that was a recreational property. So yeah. that's that's the reasoning. Yeah. Okay, go on. So you just have to take it into consideration. Mm -hmm. You know, there are buyers out there for those types of properties. So you just want to figure out what it's worth based off the characteristics of the property and then determine if there's a market to resell that property in that that area. So uh, I can't, you know, obviously I can't give more information on that, but but I wouldn't, you know, throw it out. I don't think you need to do a wetland delineation or anything like that. You just kind of evaluate it based off of what it is. I mean, if you think that the only use for it would be a house, then maybe you should talk to us see if it would perk well, or would you, you just know, say I, go into it buy it for recreational value and then if someone buys it yeah, for that, you're lucky yeah like a property like that i would probably identify it as a recreational type property if it's that much wetlands and everything like that and if someone wanted to go through the jump through the hoops to get it buildable then you know maybe they could create some value in that way but i would buy it probably as a recreational only just so you don't get burnt Sometimes so. I have to pull it out of you, like pull this information out of you. I know. Well. Okay. Okay. So Philip says, seller's remorse. I had a verbal agreement with a seller to buy her land for $375. On the phone, she said she wanted $375 because she had an offer at $350. I mailed her her check for $375 after she deeded the property over to me. Yesterday, I called her sister who owns the neighboring parcel and tried to buy her piece, and she seemed a bit savvier, so I think they spoke. Today, she calls me saying she received the check and thought I meant 
$3,750. We had no purchase agreement and the vesting deed has been recorded and accepted. No one talks like this. So I think she just had seller's remorse. Anyone seen something like this before? I'll let you handle this. Okay. I've got two big things to say about this. Number one, Philip, do bigger deals. <laughs> You're not going to get anywhere by dealing with $375 properties. I know it's, it's a it's, lot of effort for that. It's intoxicating, you know, like, hey, I could sell this for $3,000 and 10 times my money or whatever, but you're not going to get anywhere doing these little deals. Maybe it's uh, just as a warm up to just prove you could do it. Maybe that's fine, but stay away from the $375 properties. Okay, that's number one. Number two, anything in real estate has to be in writing. If you didn't get it in writing, then that's your fault. I mean, it has to be in your purchase agreement has to be in writing, clears any sort of potential confusion. And he said, she said type of stuff. If it's in writing, that's what counts. You're running a business. You have to have records. Yep. I know that's weird. I know it sucks, especially if your brain just doesn't work that way. But you have to have everything in writing because there should never have been a dispute over what this cost is. Mm-hmm. There, yep. there should That should have been like the most basic thing ever. And then you like use bigger deals, go through escrow, go through title. Yep. Do everything official because now I bet you he's worried. Yeah, it causes problems. And, right. and everyone's you know, stressed. The, and it's a three, $375 deal. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Um, James says, thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather, for putting together this valuable. I don't remember that as saying that, but go ahead, Heather. Okay. It says, James says, thank you, Pete. Oh. Thank you, Pete, for putting together this valuable training that most people will charge thousands of dollars for. Hope everyone is going through the materials. Thank you, James. Thank you. <laughs> oh, did that get in there? Okay. I didn't realize weird, I put that weird, in there. Okay. One. But thank you, James. I appreciate it. That's my goal is to have something super valuable that is given away at no cost for the moment. And that's the funny thing is that once people start to go through this, they're like, holy heck, this is like worth thousands. People would be charging thousands for this. And I, I'm sure people say that in like a non-true way. But yeah. if you see this, you would realize it. But it's free, so you could see it. So, yeah, go there. Where do they find it again? Landconquest.com. Just search in the, uh, just look at the classroom tab at the at the top of the community. Okay, James has another thing. Anyone from Canada or outside the U.S.? Is anyone here flipping land from Canada or outside the U.S.? Well, I want to know what part of the Canada he's from now, because I'm assuming he's from mm, Canada. Yeah. There are plenty of successful land investors that are doing it from all over the world. Canadians. Mm-hmm. Italians, mm-hmm. Europeans of all sorts, people from all over the world are able to buy and sell properties in the United States. Now, I know every country doesn't have, you know, isn't set up that way. Mm-hmm. So some certain countries we, you know, as a citizen, you cannot buy property there. So, uh, you know, unless you're a citizen. So uh, the United States is different. You know, you can set up a business and start buying, selling properties here. Mm-hmm. So. Records. So I think that that is a big draw for Canadians to want to invest here. Yeah, yeah. The public, the Property ownership mm-hmm. data is not public. Though. Right. But I need to let everyone in on a big secret really quick right before we end. Um, I need to ask where they can find you online. But first, I want to, the secret is that a lot of people who are buying and selling land don't live where the land is. Not only are they maybe outside of the country, whatever, but a lot of times they're in the U.S., but they're not where they're buying and selling land. And we had to kind of stretch our thinking in that way because you think, oh, you have to see it. We've done episodes about this before. But your geographical location should not limit this. Not at all. Not at no. all. And and we have rarely seen the properties that we have sold in person. We and we did go on a road trip yes. and see a few of them. Though. And now I don't want Pete to see any of them because right. I lost him in a property for whatever. He was like, it had a beautiful stream. And I'm like, we'll never sell it because Pete fell in love with it. And I know my limitations, so I didn't get out. Yeah. I didn't expect it from you. So now I have to be the jerk and not let you see them. No, it's completely, I mean, it's completely doable to do without seeing any of these properties in person. So where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can find me at Partner with Pete on Instagram and TikTok. I am on LinkedIn. I am also on YouTube. YouTube, we're putting a lot of emphasis on our YouTube channel. So please check us out there. It's just at Turning Profit. And then also Facebook. You know, we've got, uh, we're on Facebook as well. The Facebook page. What is that? Facebook? I don't know. Okay. The kids are using it these days. Oh, it's just for kids. Okay, okay. got it. It's for the under 12s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, thank you for joining us for another episode of Turning Profit Podcast. We had fun and we hope you guys did. And we'll be back next week, right? We'll see you next week. Bye. All right. Bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.